This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you for joining us. My name is Stephanie Kim, and I'm the Associate Director of Community Strategy at the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. And I'm very excited to welcome our guest today, Liesl Pritzker-Simmons, Wharton Social Impact Initiative's 2015 Nazarian Social Innovator in Residence. The Angela and David Nazarian Social Innovators in Residence program hosts leaders who leverage business-based solutions to solve economic and social challenges in communities around the globe. Liesl is a co-founder and principal of Blue Haven Initiative, a family office dedicated to investing for-profit and non-profit capital to advance solutions to social environmental challenges. Liesl, thank you for being here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So you supported WSII's impact investing research this year. Our report, Great Expectations, was released at SOCAP last month and aimed to debunk the expectation that impact investors must always sacrifice financial returns when mm-hmm. seeking social returns. We found no evidence that supports the trade-off. What was your reaction when you heard these results? Uh, quite frankly, I was not surprised. I was very pleased to see um, sort of the weight that Wharton can bring and the rigor that they can bring to the research. But anecdotally, from my own experience as an investor and um, and working with other investors, we have not actually seen that trade-off that I keep sort of hearing about from um, more traditional investors. And so um, I was... I was very pleased that my sort of anecdotal experience was now um, had some 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 academic rigor behind it, because um, I think that's one thing that's been um, a real struggle in the impact investing space is uh, traditional investors sort of uh, believe this myth that there needs to be a trade-off. Sometimes there can be, but if you're seeking commercial returns or market rate returns chances are you can achieve those and also achieve your impact goals as well. Awesome. Well, let's talk about Blue Haven Initiative. With so many options for interventions and impact areas, how did you decide upon your company's investment strategy and portfolio? Sure. So Blue Haven Initiative is the single family office um, of me and my husband. And um, we sort of several years ago had a fairly traditionally invested um, Portfolio, so it was diversified across asset classes according to a risk return profile that you know made sense for our family and our sort of capital preservation and growth um, uh, goals, um, but really didn't wasn't paying attention to what the social and environmental impact of those investments were, and we decided that that was something that we cared a lot about. Um, we care about what our what our investments are doing in the world. Uh, I don't think that uh, investments are just neutral. I think that um, where you put your money and how you invest it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And so it has an impact, and we really wanted to make sure that impact was a positive one on all three fronts, social, environmental, and financial. And so starting sort of with that premise, the real challenge um, for us and for our financial advisors is, can we do that with all of the assets in our portfolio? Not just a sliver, but actually with everything. Mm-hmm. Can we look across asset classes and um, find best-in-class managers and strategies that meet our hurdles socially, financially, and environmentally? Um, and so starting, though, 
with an asset allocation. So again, what makes sense for our family? And then just finding managers that are also paying attention mm -hmm. to their social and environmental strategies. And so we started, um, we started with that approach and then populated the asset classes uh, once we found managers and strategies that, that uh, we felt proud of. Great. So we have good managers that you can trust and you know that they're thinking along the same wavelength as you. What about the target areas? There's poverty, there's hunger, there's health, there's, you know, a million different solar panels, there's cook stoves. How do you pick what to invest in? So that's a great question. And um, different investors will give you all different kinds of answers. And they're all Right. It all depends on what your approach is. For us, we decided to really start with the financial asset classes and be impact agnostic as to what the sector was that that manager was working in. Um, because for us, I think it's very difficult with the size of portfolio that we were dealing with to say, we're going to solve water or we're going to fix women or um, – or to even set a certain geographic area, it would be very limiting um, to really try to find best-in-class managers. Um, so with the majority of our portfolio, we really said we're going to be geographically and uh, sector agnostic and really look for diversity um, across the financial instruments and strategies that mm -hmm. they're playing with. Mm -hmm. So you end up with, you know, you know, green real estate that has a steady yield. We've got, you know, um, uh, private equity funds that, you know, obviously have a longer lockup but are focused on financial inclusion. Um, there are some areas that are focused on health, um, a lot of uh, uh, project finance into renewable energy projects. I would say the environment is probably one theme, climate change and environment, that um, – we have a pretty heavy exposure to across the entire portfolio. Um, so with the sort of the majority of, of, of the portfolio, we really we want the managers to pick the area and strategy from the impact standpoint. Mm -hmm. So exposure to impact um, really was more opportunistic than strategic. However, in our direct investment portfolio, where we look at um, sort of early and growth stage uh, companies and make debt and equity investments directly into them, there we have a very sort of focused strategy around financial inclusion uh, and renewable energy in, in East Africa particularly. So what does it mean to have a very focused strategy? Is it just finding a lot of different companies that are doing similar things? Or are you taking a more systems holistic approach? What does it look like? What, we, what we've done with our direct investment strategy is we started sort of with a premise. Um, we were very interested in, um, in East Africa as a geography. It's growing pretty quickly, and there's a very high penetration of mobile money there, which allows a lot of really interesting technology platforms to be built off of that high penetration of not just mobile money, but mobile phones in general. Um, and the the fact that you've got a pretty large consumer base um, that is extremely comfortable transacting over mobile money, the highest penetration in the world, you get lots of interesting companies that are popping up and, and using that as a base for different kinds of financial services platforms. Sure. Um, I 
personally have a background working in microfinance, and so really good financial services for consumers that are um, underserved with good financial products, I have seen firsthand what kind of a difference that makes. Being able to have insurance products to cover a funeral of a loved one can keep a family above the poverty line um, in a pretty significant way. Um, being able to access savings accounts, being able to access loans that are appropriate for your business and appropriate for your own cash flow needs mm -hmm. um, are uh, make a very, very big difference in somebody's life. And so for me, naturally, I'm inclined to look at financial services and then the technology platforms that can help to disintermediate and lower costs for those consumers. Um, that's an area I have deep passion around. And as a financial investor makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not coming into this with a deep background in how to develop wind turbines. Sure. You know, but financial services and products, I get, I understand. Um, I understand those business models. And so um, as an investor, it makes sense for me to play there. And I think it's an area of sort of deep impact. So East Africa um, is good geography, again, with the mobile money. Um, there's very high demand. And um, we... We have seen a lot of innovation happening there. Right. So you have the asset managers, you have the different strategies that they're all choosing to take based on what they see makes sense for the asset mm -hmm. class that they're managing. You have a really focused, uh, fo you have a strong focus on certain interventions that you see working and proven to work and that makes sense based on your interests and competencies. Mm -hmm. Rolling it all back up again to this idea of financial return and desired impact. How do you make sure that happens? Well, we do our very best um, to measure and to monitor, um, and a lot of it is based on intentions. So if we're invested in a certain fund manager that says, well, we would like to have this kind of mix of muni bonds that are working in underserved communities or this kind of mix of corporate bonds that are um, – uh, you know, lending to corporations that have very high ESG standards, mm -hmm. um, then did they meet those targets, really, um, on, the, on the social and environmental side? And then, of course, what's happening with the benchmarks that they're, that they're um, tracking against? And so, really, did you do what you say you were going to do? And for me as an investor, did my money participate in what you said it would participate in? Um, and you know, hopefully the answer is yes. And so we track against against those things. And it's the same thing with, with, our, with our companies directly as well. Um, one of the wonderful things about the direct investing and with the companies that we're targeting, um, we look for companies where the impact is embedded in their business model. So the more they scale, the more they grow, mm -hmm. the deeper our impact is. Um, and so... Uh, we tend with those companies to be even less hands-on on the impact side because really what those companies need are to be, you know, operationally totally streamlined and efficient and grow as sort of as quickly and as rapidly as they can. And then, you know, by default, our impact is, is deeper. Right. And we're there, though, if there, are, if there are decisions that companies make to pivot away from the impact, we're there to try to 
help keep them on track. But um, so far, we haven't found a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at Wharton, we love seeing those types of companies where the impact is baked into the business model. It's not a campaign. It's not something on the side. And, you know, the slogan that we've used many times is that business for good is good for business. It it is. And actually, with the um, great expectations with the Wharton study that came out, a lot of that was around preservation of mission on exit Mm -hmm. um, for those companies. And did managers and and did underlying portfolio companies think that their mission was compromised upon exit? And the answer is no, really, because if they were to pivot away from from the impact piece, their core business would probably change, right? And their consumers wouldn't want that, right? And so it's it, that's the thing is that really you really can have those things in alignment, um, and that's what I think is so exciting about this space and why I think it's it's growing as quickly as it is. So at the end of the day, we're we're all working towards a similar vision of a world, you know, without poverty, without hunger, preventable diseases, et cetera. Impact investing is a growing vehicle mm-hmm. to address that, but we're still working in a world with a lot of traditional philanthropic models, traditional philanthropy, charity. How do you think that practice of philanthropy will evolve as impact investing continues to grow? Well, I think that, that I mean, as you said, there are there are lots of different kinds of tools um, that, that people have in their tool belt to try to attack some of these problems. And impact investing is one of them. And at Blue Haven, so we engage in, you know, commercial rate, return market rate, um, impact investing. There are foundations that are happy to take concessionary returns. um, And that's wonderful. And that's needed. And then, of course, there's straight grant money um, that you know, is not seeking any kind of financial return, but hoping to, you know, uh, expand the environmental and social return of that capital. And I think that all of these tools can play well together. Um, But for me, what I think is exciting about people looking at business models and um, sort of financial tools to try to advance some of these social and environmental goals is it frees up some of that philanthropic capital to do actual grant work. So sometimes I think that, and and over the years, particularly you look at um, some of the development aid models, you've had philanthropic dollars or development dollars that are um, being used for something a business would be better to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be more scalable, it would be more sustainable, and also it would be something that people actually want. People aren't going to buy something that they don't want. Um, and so you've seen a lot of different kinds of weird products and widgets out there in the market that have been developed in you know some lab in Cambridge, Massachusetts and <laughs> shipped over to Uganda, sure. and actually nobody really wants it or uses it after six months. Well, if people actually have to buy something, you know, we try to make it as low cost as possible. They're going to tell you really fast. The market will tell you whether that is useful to them or not. And so anyway, I think that that using business in this way um, helps to actually, yes, save that philanthropic money from being, I think, not so strategically dispersed and use it for things that only philanthropic capital can be good for. Mm-hmm. And I think things like that are, you know, disaster relief, um, refugee crises. I think a lot of education. I hate to, I hate to denounce all of my ed tech investor friends, but I, I think won't tell that anyone. I know. I think that um, a lot of education is still really needs to be subsidized. 
Um, and, I mean, there's a myriad arts, things that the market way undervalues. Um, arts, music, uh, are, I think are always going to need that philanthropic capital, and hopefully it can impact investors can help to free up some of that so that it really goes where it needs to go. What's next in the impact investing space? What are you excited about? What does it need? I think what I'm really excited about is starting to see um, more and more more um, sort of traditional investment firms and larger banks um, instead of doing impact investing sort of out of their CSR or marketing departments. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's sort of moving into products and services, and they are starting to devote internal resources uh, to their staff to try to get them up to speed. It's not sort of that cute thing that's happening over in the corner in philanthropy. It's it's starting to move um, into the more mainstream parts of the bank. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with sort of this kind of big millennial push for it. Um, you're starting to see more MBAs get incredibly excited about it. And I think the banks know that. And if they're going to recruit the best talent, this generation really wants to see both sort of profit and purpose happening at the same time. Their standards are higher. Um, and so uh, I, get, I get very excited about seeing this sort of going mainstream um, and I got really excited about, um, particularly with family offices, uh, not having such a bifurcated approach, not having your investment vehicle over here making money, and then you move it over here and you give it away. Um, that seems very inefficient to me. So I like having those two sides of the balance sheet start to come closer together. Um, and that, I think, is really exciting. That is exciting. Weasel, yeah. thank you for being here. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.